get into the word. I'm trying to finish up a series that we started in November called Spread the Ops, Exposing the Schemes of the Kingdom of Darkness. I think this is very, very important that we are uh, making sure that we're exposing what Satan's trying to do in your life. So I want to encourage you to go online, go to the website or go to the podcast on Spotify, on Apple Music, Elevate Life Church Sacramento, uh, and make sure you're listening to those messages because this is going to help you in every aspect of your life because Satan wants to take the things that you deem are the most precious. So he's coming after your relationships. He's coming after your relationships with your parents, with your siblings. He's coming after breaking up your family. He's coming after uh, bringing division on your job with those you work with. He wants to destroy the things that we care about the most. And he even wants to destroy relationships within the church. And so that's why we've been talking about these things. And, and, and we've been talking about why is it that division uh, is a part of the enemy. Well, we know that the word devil uh, we talked about comes from the Greek word diabolos, which actually means to split or to divide. And so it is a characteristic of what the devil does. The devil is a divider, okay? That's what he does. And so when somebody is also a divider or a splitter, guess what they're doing? Well, they're doing the work of Satan. And they could say they're serving Jesus, but they're actually in actuality walking after what Jesus called their father, the devil. And so we want to be careful of that. And as your shepherd, I want to make sure that we're producing uh, uh, disciples that know better. Come on, somebody. Amen. You need to know better. You need to know that wherever you are at, you do not cause division because that is not what Jesus does. Jesus is a uniter. Amen. And we don't have to agree with people to love them. I must say that again because this generation is losing it over this issue. I don't have to agree with you to love you. Amen. Amen. Love is unconditional. We should be able to love people who don't think like us. That's why Christians should have love towards the homosexual. Amen? Amen. Because according to the word of God, we don't believe that is an alternate lifestyle to serve God. But just because I don't agree with your lifestyle, I could still love you. Come on, somebody. Amen? I could still love them just like I, I still love some of you that still are in adulterous relationships. But I still love you. You still sleep with your girlfriend and your boyfriend, but I still love you. 
Come on, somebody. Amen. Everybody look, it's so scared. Oh, Lord, don't let him call me out. Even though I don't agree with your lifestyle, I can still love you. Matter of fact, I'm commanded to love you. And so that love, what that love is going to do, it's going to cause you to be a uniter instead of a divider. And then we looked at how serious God takes division. Every instance in the word of God where somebody brought division, they were cast out of the thing God put them in. And so God doesn't take division lightly. Okay. as soon as Satan said, I want to take I want to be lifted up above the throne of heaven. God struck him down to the earth like lightning and he took a third of the angels. God says it's not happening. When the serpent came into the garden to divide Adam and Eve against God's word, what does God do? Well, he divide he 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 causes Adam and Eve to have to leave Eden because of their choice to bring division. And so we've been talking about why that is so important and why that is what the enemy, the ops, is after. And we've been talking about the importance of that. We've also talked about why unity is so special to God. Why? It's because unity makes the impossible possible. So single people, we talked about you need to make sure that who you marry someday is somebody that you can walk in unity with. Because you need, to, you need to come in agreement with somebody that can help you do impossible things. Can I get an amen? amen? And so we talked about unity brings the commanded blessing. We talked about how that blessing comes when we walk together. And so this is what Satan doesn't want. And so he wants to bring disunity. He wants to split things up. And, and we talked about the early church and why they were so guarded against disunity. So much so if somebody was causing unity, Paul would kick them out of the church and he would even name them and say, stay away from these guys because they're dividers. They do not serve Jesus. We looked at Proverbs chapter six, verse 19, where it says there's six things that God hates, seven things he detests. And one of those things is somebody that sows discord in a family. So, guys, how can we be followers of Jesus and be people that cause division? Now, I want to wrap this up with something that is very uh, serious in the way that uh, we see it all the time. You know, recently I was talking to a lawyer who handles divorce and things like that. And he says he regrets getting into that field of law. He said, I, I wanted to kind of come in because somebody told me, you know, there's always divorces. And, and so I'd always have business in this regard. He says, but I regret it now because it's so depressing. I said, what's depressing about it? I mean, I kind of had an idea. It's two people that were once married. Now they're 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 coming apart. And he goes, it's it's depressing because the amount of hate that I experienced between two people that once loved each other. Now, now think about that for a minute. Now, some of us, I know, uh, I don't want this to be triggering because maybe you went through a situation like that where you were married and it didn't work out and it got ugly. But why does it get like that between two people that once dearly loved each other? Come on, we've all experienced it. How can it be that we can have a son or a daughter that can be so mean and turn on their own mom and dad and spread slander and go online and post things and tell people horrible things about their moms and dads? Or how about two siblings 
that were raised under the same home with the same love. And one can all of a sudden attack the other to where it's like they're not even family. It happens all the time. And what I want to help you with this morning is to make sure that we can keep that from happening to us uh, in one regard. Because you can't, you can't predict and you can't stop what God's going to do in other people. But you can keep those things from happening in your heart. And the church said. So when I say that, I'm not saying you can stop it from happening to you. But you can keep yourself from being the one that Satan is using to destroy somebody you love. And that's what I want to want to get to, because our lives should not mirror what the world goes through. Amen. We should be different. We should understand that we're not dividers. We're uniters. Now, let's look at Titus chapter three, nine and 11. We stopped here last week. Titus chapter 3, 9 and 11, Paul writes to Titus and he says this, but avoid foolish controversies, avoid genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law, because these are unprofitable and useless. See, what is he saying here? He's saying, guys, avoid all the foolishness. Quit fighting amongst each other. Quit talking about genealogies. You know what that word means, genealogies? Where you come from. See, they were arguing about identities. Well, you know, my father was this, and we are, our tribe in Israel was this. And he's like, quit arguing about that. That's, that's like us today talking about, oh, I'm Mexican, so we're better than you. Oh, we're African-American, so we're better than you. Or, or we're white, you know, white power or whatever. Man, miss me with that, Amen. How many know you can't be Christian and be a racist? You can't. It doesn't work. If you're a racist, you need to, you know, you need to get some help with that. All right. You need to educate yourself. It don't make sense. Amen. But this was happening back then. It happens today. And then it even happens, you know, some people get such pride about where they're from. You know, well, I'm from I'm from this state. I'm from that place. And then he gets breaks down in South Sac to neighborhoods. I'm from Fruit Ridge. So, <laughs> big whoop. No, no, you can't be doing, no, see, that, that, that matters. It's foolishness. Come on, especially them people from Stockton. I was talking about the 209, the 209. I know you're not from Stockton, but you know. The Bay Area people, that's what I meant, Renato. That's what I meant, Renato. But all that's just foolishness. Come on. So what, you're a Niner fan. Look, I hit a, I hit a vein right there. Ooh. Come on, who cares? He says, stay away from all that, all right? Now let's keep going. Then he says this, warn a divisive person once, then warn him a second time. And after that, have nothing to do with them. You may be sure that such people are warped, sinful, and self-condemned. Self-condemned, you know what that word means? It means this, they're sentencing themselves to punishment. And so here's what Paul is trying to tell us. Stay away from those fools because you will bring yourself alongside the punishment that's coming to them. Now, why is this so important? Because we live in a society right now that loves to gaslight. 
We love to throw gasoline on anything that even seems like a fight. Anything that even seems like an argument. You gonna let him talk to you like that? You gonna let him do you like that? And see, what Paul is saying is you got to stay away from those people. People that want to come, and here it is right here. People that want to come and talk bad about other people to you. Gossip. Gossip. Come on, I know we all experienced that during Thanksgiving. Hopefully you were able to dodge it like the Matrix, Matrix, right? Remember that movie? They would shoot the bullet and he would just... Somebody walks in the kitchen and says, who does your Thea think she is? And you just, I'm not touching that. Some of you dodged the whole conversation because you didn't even go over for Thanksgiving. Amen. That was a smart move for some of y'all. I mean, it's true because Paul is warning us here. Don't get involved in that mess because these people are showing you something. Number one, they're showing you they're sinful. Number two, he says, they're warped. You know what that word warped means? They're not seeing things clearly, which is why the person they're gossiping about, they think they're so bad because their vision is warped. And here you're going to go jump in to their conversation of warped vision and you're going to come into agreement with it. Paul says, don't do that because then you're going to be wrong and sinful, too. But the third thing is the thing that gets me. He says, what they're telling you is they're self-condemned. They're sentenced to punishment. And if you partake of that behavior, here it is, the punishment's coming for you too. It's coming for you too. And this is why I'm stressing, y'all gotta be careful at work who you're aligning with. You gotta be careful over there talking about that boss, talking about the manager. I can't stand her. She's this, she's that. She thinks she's so, listen, miss that altogether. Why? Because when you partake of it, you're bringing yourself under the same condemnation. Is, is anybody getting this today? Because I'm trying to help you. This works in every aspect, your family. This works on your job. And it most definitely works in the church. We've got to be careful to stay free from this. Come on, ladies, you know it's true. You go to get your hair done. And what, is, what happens in that, in that chair while you're getting your hair done? Somebody wants to spill the tea. Come on. And there you go. Did you hear about so-and-so? Oh, no, I didn't. Give me some tea. Don't drink that tea. That tea's poison. That tea brings condemnation. You see, but you all know it's true. And I can't just pick on the ladies because when I go to the barber shop, I hear things too. Come on. Come on. The barber talk. It's just barber talk. Guys going in there talking bad about their wives. Got real quiet up in here. The Kingsman just looking straight ahead like, oh, shoot. Because all of that brings condemnation to it. Let's keep reading now. Let's go over to 2 Timothy chapter 2, 20 through 26. So Paul, again, stresses, stay away from all that, guys. And I can't stress this enough because I got to be clear with you all. The Bible says to know the state of your flocks, right? That's what the Bible says. It's my job to know. And what I know is some of us in here love to gossip. Pastor, how do you know? I just know. Chismosas. 
or mozos, whatever. And we love it. We just love it. It's just something. It's the flesh. It's the flesh. And what I'm trying to extend to y'all this morning is God's mercy to say this. Repent. Quit it. Stop it. Because judgment comes for those that are involved in this kind of activity. Even if you're gossiping about somebody that you think deserves it. And this is what we love to do. Well, you know, that person deserves it. No, they, no, no, no. You don't get to talk about people. You're not the judge. He's the judge. And remember, when you fall into that, you have a warped perspective. So let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, 20 through 26. This is what I need you to catch today. It says this, but in the great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but there's also wood and clay. Some for honor, some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel of honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Now, let me stop right here. We know that the Bible calls us earthen vessels. We're all vessels. And what this scripture is talking about is you and I making a decision. Do we want to be used by God for honor? Now, the Bible says here that if we do, we must submit to a cleansing. We must submit to going through the process of repentance and changing. And we're in a time in the body of Christ where nobody wants to go through that. And yet we still want to be used of God. But we have to make a decision. Are you a vessel of honor or dishonor? Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he'll be a vessel of honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Now, here's what he begins to say. If you're going to do this, look what it says. Flee youthful lusts. Quit chasing lust. Quit chasing power. Quit chasing money. Quit chasing sex. Flee that kind of stuff. Amen. And then it says this. Pursue righteousness. Pursue righteousness. What does that mean? That means pursue being in right standing with God. Pursue, here it is, living right. Instead of just living wrong, talking about, well, God knows, God forgives me. You know, I'm a work in progress. God's working on me. Pray for me. No, no, no. It's up to you to pursue righteousness. That means you got to want to change. You got to make a decision and go, you know what? I don't want to be the old me. I want to be the me that God has destined me to be. Amen. I said, amen. And so he tells you, flee those lusts, pursue righteousness. And then he says this, pursue faith, love, peace, and those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. He says to do all this with like-minded others. Do this with others that are headed in the same direction. This is a word for somebody here. You need new friends. You need friends that don't call you to go to the club. You need friends that will say, why are you drinking? Not friends that go, you want another? If you got friends, if you're a Christian, come on, somebody. If you're a Christian and your friends are pushing you towards unrighteousness and sin, you need some new friends. You need friends that will call you out when they see you posted up at the club on Instagram. You need them to be like, hey, hey, what's that? 
You need friends that when they see you post your Thanksgiving dinner and there's a cerveza right there in the corner, they're going to call you out and go, bro, what's up with that? Not in a way to judge you, but in a way to pull you back into righteousness. Tell your neighbor you need some new friends. Because what he's saying in 2 Timothy is pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Well, pastor, I, I just ain't got no Christian friends. Let me tell you whose fault that is. That's your fault. Oh, no, but, you know, this church doesn't do enough for that. We need more of this. We need more to do that. No, listen, it's your responsibility to make friends. It's weak to put it on somebody else. You got a mouth. You got two ears. You got arms, legs. Walk over to somebody and say, hey, can I, can I, take, can we go, can I take you out? Can I go to lunch? You want to go to lunch? I messed all that up. I don't know what I was talking about there. I got nervous like you would. <laughs> Come on, what are you guys doing this weekend? Who's watching the Raider game after? Let's go, you know? Hey, easy, easy, easy. Endless genealogies over here. They still hurt over here. Okay, you know, it, it, you, you have a mouth. The Bible says it's up to you to pursue those things. Are you tracking with me today? Now, let's keep going. He says, but avoid foolish and ignorant arguments or disputes knowing that they generate strife. You know what translation that means? It means this, stay out the tea. Stay out of it. Why do you always want to know the latest gossip? Why do you always want to know what's going on? God forbid some of you singles walk in here with somebody of the opposite sex and all the hermanas all the sisters want to go, who's that? Who is she sitting with? Oh, my gosh. Who is he? Oh, oh, they're sitting together. Oh, and then you walk out and love. Did you see who so-and-so brought to church today? Okay. <laughs> and listen, it starts harmless, right? It starts harmless like, oh, you just happy for somebody. But when you have an appetite, to always know things that you shouldn't know or that are none of your business, it gets worse and worse because here's, here's what will begin to happen. Three weeks later, she comes to church alone. And you're like, oh, what happened? Where, where is her friend? And then two weeks later, she brings another dude to church. And you're like, okay. And you start attaching stuff to it. Oh, she got another boyfriend. Okay. All right, Miss Thing. Hmm, she'd be dating everybody. You see where it's going? Oh, she'd be dating everybody. And can I just tell you, the person that begins that, you know where that comes from? Hate. Not hate like I want to kill you. Hate like you're a hater. And you're mad because you ain't brought a dude to church in a very long time. And nobody wants to come to church with you. And so you see this sister over here, she brought two dudes to church and you just got a little bit of hate, jealousy. And so what begins to happen, we take that. God forbid somebody drive and get a new car, come to church in a Benz next week. 
Ooh, I wonder how they got that. You see how it just starts? And here's the thing we need to change in most churches, not this church. Some of you go, oh, yeah, it's in this church. We're going to get it out. In most churches, gossip rules. And this is a big part of why there's no revival, why there's no miracles. Because gossip equals dishonor. And God will never move where there's dishonor. You don't get to dishonor people in this church. And let me tell you why. Because the people you're dishonoring are God's kids. They're God's kids. Let me talk to the moms and dads for a minute. Moms and dads, would you let somebody talk about your kids? Not if you're a good mom and dad. How much greater is God as a father than you? And you're over here gossiping about his kids. Are you seeing how deep this goes? Now, let me keep going. He says here, uh, avoid foolish and ignorance disputes, knowing that they generate strife, arguments, things of that nature. Stop it. I was just sharing how uh, Sky's been here a year. You know, Sky's been here, but there was probably some of us here going, why is he up there? Why, who is this guy? Come on. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Why is he up there? Oh, why can't we have Christine, who we all love? And so it begins to be arguments. I'm so thankful for our team, our worship team and Cece and Miguel and everybody that's been so pliable. But I know there's been people probably who had disputes. Disputes. Pastor Willard became a pastor very fast here. Oh, I don't know about that. Why does he get ordained? How come they didn't ordain so-and-so? He should be ordained. He should be. Why does he get that? You see, you see what I'm talking about? Disputes. Disputes. Why do we got to listen to Tanya Gutierrez in the children's ministry? Why do we got to listen to her? You, you see how it starts? You see how it starts? I mean... Pick your poison, guys. Pick your poison. And these endless disputes start up in churches. Tell your neighbor, we ain't doing that here. And you want to know why? We, we, have to, we have to draw a line in the sand, guys. You want to know why? Because we are laboring for a revival. And revival will never come to a church that is full of dishonor. Revival only comes to a church that understands authority and order. And you want to know why Sky was up here? Can I help you? Because I put him there. And I'm the pastor. Some of y'all with them half-hearted claps. You want to know why you have to listen to Tanya Gutierrez in children's ministry? Because we put her there. It's tight, but it's right. Because what begins to happen afterwards in other churches and what you see all around is this disputes, disputes, disputes. Now, there's nothing wrong with maybe disagreeing. It's just how you disagree. Come to me. Talk to me. Go to that person. 
hey, I'm just, you know, whatever you decide is good. But man, I just want to know, where did this guy, where did this guy's sky come from? No problem with that. Come on in. We'll talk about it. Hey, I, I'll pastor whatever you want to do, but I'm, I'm just, where did he, who is he? Can you explain, who, you know, no problem. Every right, absolutely. But there's a way to do it. The same way you should do it at your job. The same way you should do it in your family. In a way that doesn't cause strife. Can you handle this today? So let's keep going. He says, and a servant of the Lord, here it is, must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient in humility, and correcting those that are in opposition. Guys, if you don't have that highlighted in your Bible, you should. Because this is your goal. This is the future. Because what it, people have many times translated this to mean overseer or pastor. Like this is what we should be doing. But you know what it says? No, no, no. It says a servant of God, which is what we all should be. Ask your neighbor right now, are you there yet? No, you don't have to answer, but this is the goal. This is the goal. It doesn't matter if you're an usher. It doesn't matter if you're a security team. It doesn't matter if you're the drummer. These are the things you should be able to do. It says a servant of the Lord must not quarrel. Quit fighting. Stop being argumentative. Be gentle to all. Able to teach. Able to teach. You should be able to teach. Not one of these... Well, my pastor says, no, no, no. What does the Bible say? And you should be able to teach others. Look what it says. Patient. In humility, correcting those who are in opposition. You know what the word of God says here? You have the ability to correct others. Some of you are like, I don't want that. Let me tell you something. Correction is love. The book of Hebrews tells us that. Whom the Lord loves, he corrects. Whom you love, you correct. If you don't correct, you don't love. Parents. Parents, got to correct your kids if you love them. But let's move it on out to some other areas. Correct your friends if they love them, if you love them. You see them backsliding, you don't say nothing. That ain't love. Some of y'all see it. You see it on Instagram. You see it. And you go, and here's what you say. Ooh, I wonder if pastor saw that. They're your friend. You say you love them. If you love them, correct them in love. Amen? Man, this is good preaching because some of you ain't doing this. And this is why many times the church as a whole is looked at like hypocrites. We're looked at like gossips because we ain't doing what we're supposed to be doing. And can I just tell you, when you're truly engulfed in love, these things are easy. These things are easy. These things are so easy because you just love people. So when there's people in my life 
and I see them going down a road that's not a good road, I go over to them and I say, hey, what's going on? Pastor Willard, what you doing? Out at 2, 2 a.m. It ain't never happened, but I'm just saying. If I found out this fool was out at 2 a.m., I'll be like, let's, go, let's have a conversation. Think about the people that you love. Do you love them? Do you correct them? Well, no, pastor. Well, see, we got work to do. Amen? Because here's the thing. Correction's not a bad thing. It's good. It's a good thing. It's a sign of love. Now, because here's the problem. Some of you weren't ever corrected good. You were corrected in an unhealthy way. And so that's what your word correction means to you. Man, listen, I've had friends that could correct me since day one of serving God. Their correction was so effective that I wouldn't date a certain girl. Before I asked a girl out when I was single, I would think of this. Man, what's my brother Vince going to say if I brought her around? What's my, what's my boy, Pastor Troy, going to say? He wasn't a pastor back then. What's Troy Marshall going to say? And before I even brought him around, I'm just already going, dang, she ain't going to pass the test. She ain't going to pass the x-ray. And I wouldn't even bring her, I wouldn't even bring her around. Amen? That's a word for some of you. Let me keep going here because this is my main point I want to get to. If God perhaps will grant them repentance... Let me, let me back up a minute. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient and humility, correcting those who are in opposition. If God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth. Now listen to this. And that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do yeah. his will. Now let's circle back. Remember how I started talking about that lawyer that says he regrets getting into divorce law? And he says he regrets it because he's never experienced that much hate in relationships. And, he, and, and I began to tell you about how is it that two people that once loved each other can hate each other so bad. And then I took you to the experience of a parent who has a son or a daughter turn on them and talk bad about them when all they ever did was love them. Come on, it happens all around. And you know how it happens? This scripture right here. It says, if God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth, that they may come to their senses and escape the snare or the trap of the devil to take them captive to do Satan's will. You need to catch this today because I could be saving you and saving the harm you're going to do to the people you love. How does it happen? Well, that word snare there comes from the word scandalon in the Greek. The word scandalon actually means a trap. It's used 15 times in the Bible. The actual meaning of it also means stumbling block, something that causes one to fall, and it also speaks of a hurt or an offense. See, it's not the bait, it's the trap. Whether or not you take the bait is up to you. See, what he's saying here in this scripture is that pray for these folks that are sowing discord, that are causing these problems, that they may come to their senses and escape the trap of the devil. 
What is the trap? The trap is the opportunity to be hurt and offended. That is the goal in, of Satan in your life. But here's the thing. Jesus himself said this to us. Make no mistakes. Offenses will come. You know what he's saying? Opportunities will come for you to be hurt, for you to be bitter, and for you to be angry. They're coming. And what the Bible is saying right here is, this is simply a trap. It's a trap that we all have to face. But just because there's a trap doesn't mean you need to step into it. See, the trap itself is simply this, hurt and offense. And it's a trap that we all face. When somebody hurts you, the trap has been laid. When somebody does something that hurts you, you can now see the trap. Ugh, I'm hurt. But the, the hurt is not the bait. You want to know what the bait is? The bait is bitterness. The bait is unforgiveness. The bait is anger. You do not have to step in that trap and be angry, bitter. You can make a decision. And you say, well, what, what is the alternative if somebody hurts me, if somebody, you know, comes after me? Listen, this is why we have Jesus. The alternative is this. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Now, I'm not saying it's easy. Matter of fact, this is one of the main reasons Jesus sent us the Holy Spirit. Because without him, you can't do it. Come on, let's bring this home. This is what I'm talking about. How do you forgive somebody that molested you or one of your kids? How do you forgive a man that you married that beat you and abused you? Do you see why you need the Holy Spirit? Do you see why we need God's word? Because these things are impossible without the love of God. Now, here's the problem with these things, right? The hurt that we experienced, we all have a decision to make. You could live the rest of your life bitter, angry, seeking revenge. But if you do that, you will now, listen to this, you will now be taken captive by Satan to do not God's will, but Satan's will. You don't work for Jesus no more when you live like this. You work for the devil. Guys, I really hope you take notes because I'm trying to read the Bible to you. I'm just trying to show you in God's word the snare of the enemy, the snare that some of you have been living in for five, 10, maybe even 20 years. Mad at your dad because he left. Mad at your mom because she abused you. Listen, I get it. I understand it. But you're in a new kingdom now. 
And what your heavenly father wants you to know is that if you take the bait and you be bitter and angry, Satan's going to take you captive and he's going to use you to do his will. And this is what I'm talking about, how somebody that loves you can turn on you. You know what happens in a marriage sometimes? We can't let go of the hurt. We're so mad at him for what he did or what he didn't do. We're so mad at her for all the things she said and all the ways she made me feel. And so we walk out of the relationship and guess what we begin to do? We tell everybody how bad our ex-wife is. We tell everybody how crazy she is. We tell everybody all her dirt and all that stuff. We tell everybody how bad our ex was. That's not what Jesus would do. Because here's what you got to understand. That person you're talking bad about is God's son or daughter. And the things that are coming out of your mouth are not in agreement with him. They're in agreement with somebody called the accuser of the brethren. And so now your ex is so hurt with you. All she ever does is talk bad about you. And you know what the Bible calls those things? Curses. You, my friend, are now God, are now Satan's agent for his will. I see it with kids. Kids get offended at their mom and dad for something they didn't do, not on purpose. But man, every parent here knows we miss it from time to time. But there's that one son or daughter that never wants to let it go. And so it eats at them. And then guess what begins to happen? They go out and they tell everybody how bad their dad was, how bad. And guess what's beginning to happen? They're being used by the enemy to cause pain and destruction to the person that hurt them. And this is why, guys, God tells us this in his word. Vengeance belongs to me. You don't touch it. Two things in the Bible that God tells you and I not to touch, and you better not touch it. Number one is the tithe. We've already been talking about that. Number two is vengeance. When somebody does us wrong, our father says, no, 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 don't take the bait. Don't get angry. Don't take revenge. Give it to me. And you might say, well, why does God do that? Because God knows that bitterness and that anger is going to consume you. It's going to put you in a prison. It's going to make you an agent of Satan. Because some of us, we don't want to let go. We want to take revenge. I can never forgive him. He doesn't deserve forgiveness. It's not about him, sister. It's not about him, sir. It's about you. Because see, when an offended or hurt person takes the bait of bitterness, anger, and unforgiveness, the second step is always this. Revenge. Revenge. Revenge is basically this. You hurt me, I'm going to hurt you back. You hurt me, I'm going to hurt you back. Now, when I say that, some of y'all in here are just like, well, yeah, that's how we're raised. That's how this world works. But it's not how the kingdom works. Remember what Jesus said? Bless those that curse you. Speak good of those that have despitefully used you. Y'all, we got to get new goals. 
This is what a Christian does. And why do we want to do that? Because the alternative is going to send you straight to hell. Because the biggest reason Satan sets this trap is because Jesus said these words. If you do not forgive, I cannot forgive you. And if Jesus can't forgive us all, we're done. All the church attendance, all the giving, all the serving cannot save us. We need God's grace. We need his forgiveness. And as we're sitting in this room right now, there are some of us, your blood is boiling. You're going, God, you got to help me because I have not forgiven that person. How do we hurt real quick? How do we hurt back? These are the ways that we can tell if this is in our life. Number one, you gossip. You gossip. Do inventory this morning. Are you a gossiper? And who is it that you gossip about? Could it be the reason you gossip because down deep you're, you're jealous? Could it be you gossip about them because they hurt you? They left you out? They rejected you? Another way that we hurt back, we bring people into our issue to ruin the reputation of people that have hurt us. Guys, as a pastor, I've experienced this. I've experienced this. Listen, I don't get into the ministry to hurt people. <laughs> I didn't leave my house in Florida and my life in Florida, drag my kids across country, set up this church, go through all the hell that we needed to, to hurt people. But can I tell you something? Because I'm human, I have. And it was never done out of spite. It's done the same way a loving parent can hurt their kids. They don't mean to, they don't want to, but it happens. And what has happened sometimes is because I've hurt somebody, they want to go and tell everybody, Pastor Sergio hurt me. He did this to me. Don't that church there be, it happens to every single church. Every church you drove by to get here today happens there too. There's not a pastor I know that this doesn't happen to. Why? Because it's just the snare of the enemy. Because when we get hurt, we want to bring others into our issue and ruin the rep of the person that hurt us. But remember, I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to make it real clear. When you do that, you're not working for God. You're working for Satan. You're not being a uniter. You're being a divider. How else do we hurt people? We turn others against that person. Why do you got to tell everybody how bad your ex was? You want to know why? Because you want everybody to hate them just as much as you do. Why do you got to tell everybody in town the hurt you had at that church? You want to know why? Because you want everybody else to hate that church the way you do. It's evil. You are working for the devil. You've been taken captive by Satan. So as I close right now, I got to tell you something. We got to stay free. Every divorce has been started by a seed of offense. 
every sibling rivalry and all this foolishness that takes place in our families to divide us starts with a seed of offense. Even in the business world, some of you lose jobs over offense. And it happens in the church world. People that were once loved and loved this place get infected by a hurt or an offense. And now they're no longer working for God. They're working for the enemy. So how do you stay free? Number one, admit and acknowledge you've been hurt. Admit it. Acknowledge it. I've been hurt. Number two, go to the person that hurts you to seek healing. Listen, if I've hurt you, come talk to me. Give me an opportunity to repent. Don't go to Sally or Joshua or Reuben. Try to pick names of people that I don't think go here. There could be a Reuben though, I guess. Don't, 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 go, don't go to them. Jesus said in Matthew 18, go to the one that offended you. Listen, if I've hurt you, give me the opportunity to make it right. But if you go to everybody else but me, guess who you're working for? Guess who you're working for? Remember, division in the New Testament was not tolerated because it hurts the mission of Jesus Christ. The third thing you got to do to stay free, choose to forgive. It's a choice. Choose to forgive and give up the right to seek revenge. Give it up. Listen, I've been a part of churches where I've been hurt. It happens. The church I came from hurt me. But guess what you'll never hear? You'll never hear me talk bad about them. Why? Because that's God's church. That man of God is God's man. They're not perfect and neither am I. And I gave up my right to get revenge. Gave it up. There's people right in our city that have done things to me. And guess what I did? I've given up the right to get back at them. I choose forgiveness. And you know why I do it? So that I stay free. Because I want to be free. And I most definitely don't want to work for Satan. Some of you, you got to make that decision today. Ask God to help you heal. And respond right. You know what that means? Talk to the right people. Let's stand on our feet. I just want to help you today. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Father, we expose the plan of the enemy this morning to sow discord and to be sowers of discord. And we ask today, Lord, that a change would be made in our hearts. Well, I hope you've been encouraged by the word of God. And if you have, go ahead and subscribe to our podcast or download our free app at the App Store and you can continue to get word every week from Elevate Life Church.